Raw, uncut, and unapologetic. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness. All right. Welcome to the Men Talking Mindfulness podcast. I'm John McCaskill, and I'm here with my co-host, Will Schneider. And today we are talking with former bas- professional basketball player. Will's a basketball player. Dre is a <laughs> former professional basketball player. Dre Baldwin to discover the power of a champion's mindset. Dre is going to help us and help you to learn how the principles that drive success in sports can transform your approach to business and life, empowering you to achieve peak performance in every endeavor. Also, we're switching up our intro to get into the meat and potatoes of the show much faster. So our announcements, super short, text MTM. MTM to 33777 to see what we're up to. And by texting, you can join our mailing list, our text message list, and find out about our next retreat, which is May 16th through the 19th in Colorado. That said, we're also going to be changing up our intro exercise. We're just going to be doing one simple grounding breath together. And if you're looking for a longer practice, stay tuned until the end where we'll have that longer practice. So let's let's just bring ourselves into our bodies, into our minds, into the space and time that we're in right here, right now. Let's take a deep breath in. Hold and release. Focusing on that breath. All right. Now we're grounded here, here and now. So let's get into the show. Dre, welcome to the show, my friend. Will, good to see you, brother. And I'll turn it over to you. Thanks. Uh, Yeah. Hey, welcome everybody back to the show. Dre, so great to have you here. First thing I want to know is why you're called Dre all day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Great question. First of all, thank uh, both of you, Will and John, for having me on and uh, sharing your platform here. And why I'm called Dre all day, because I I made that name up. So I (laughs) gave myself that name. Why why that uh, name? Why not not, like another Dre? (laughs) So when, when when I first saw the internet becoming what it was becoming, which is probably about 20 years ago, maybe maybe a little bit before maybe 2002 and you could see that people can make their own websites and blogs and things this was back when uh, if you wanted a website yahoo geo cities page you remember yeah. those <laughs> yep. the, yeah right, right. Was, we all wanted to have by me and about me it doesn't really ring off that much i mean it doesn't it doesn't I needed something that was a little bit catchier than that. So I read this book called Pop, P-O-P, by this author by the name of Sam Horn. And P-O-P stands for Pithy Original Purpose. Gave all these ideas for coming up Then a lot of brands that we know of they have really good names. So I was with... So I playing around with it in my mind. I came up with Dre all day. So people will easily remember that. So my first website was DreAllDay.com. So that's where it came from. There you go. Yeah. We're, we're, we're you. losing you a little bit here and there, Dre, but we're going to just push through and see see what happens. Hopefully uh, things mm-hmm. will improve with time. But, um, I, you know, I'm a military veteran. I, I retired Navy SEAL and I transitioned from being in the military to doing what I do now. And that transition was was difficult for me because I had identified myself as uh, a military member for so long. How were you able to transition the skills and the discipline from basketball into your business endeavors and your content creation? And how was that transition for you? Is the sound okay now? Is it catching up? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's, it's coming in and out. Okay. So the 
it was actually pretty simple because a lot of the things that I used to make it work in sports, I ended up making it work. I ended up using to make it work in business because a lot of it started with mindset. And then once I figured out the other pieces, it started with the mindset. Then it got to the strategy, which is simply just having a plan system. How can I do the same things over and over again? So it's duplicatable and predictable. And then accountability, making sure that the people and the systems and the plans are actually working the way that they're supposed to. So a lot of that is what I was using in sports. And that's really where the foundation of work on your game came from. Nice. And when I started talking about this stuff, what happened is a lot of people who were not athletes, they started hearing those pieces. When I started talking about things that were not specifically sport related, people who didn't play sports started hearing that message and saying, well, well, Dre, these things you're saying, these apply to me and I don't play basketball. So that's how I knew that I could use that stuff to transition from the sports world to the Really, really where I wanted to go was the entrepreneurship world because I had always been in the back of my mind. I knew I didn't want to just stay in sports. I didn't want to be the player who then becomes a trainer and then a coach or an analyst. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go yeah. from playing and then get out of it and then do something completely and nothing to do with basketball. And that's pretty much what I did. Nice, nice. And then it, that, that mindset that you talked about, in your mm -hmm. opinion, what are the key components of, of that sports mindset, that winning mindset? Um, that transition into the business and then the life that we all live? Uh, great question. So there's basically four pieces, and this is where it all started. It's the discipline of showing up every day to do the work, confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically, mental toughness to keep showing up, doing the work and putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to occur, and personal initiative to go and make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. So once I started talking about those things, that's when the athletes, of course, they appreciated it because they realized that they needed more than just know how to do the dribbling moves. They needed the mindset to actually use it in the game when they needed it. And then the people who didn't play sports said, I know you're making that for the athlete, but those same principles, those apply to me. And I run an IT firm or, you know, I'm a professor or I'm starting my own business. Those same principles apply to me the same way they apply to the ball player. So but those are the four main pillars of the mindset part of what we do in mindset is the most important part of what we do. Nice. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed, uh, I, I watched maybe, uh, I don't know the Ted talk, like from six years ago or something. They can have like three of them. It's just impressive. Like your whole body of work that you've done. Um, and you know, like you started your story saying like, you know, yeah, I scored, you know, 20 points, you know, when I was playing high, you know, high school ball and it's like, yeah, 20 points the whole season. And then go on to be, <laughs> A, a professional basketball player, which is incredible. And you would think like, how do these, those two things even happen? Um, you know what, like through all the trials and tribulations to succeed on the basketball court professionally and then succeed in business, you know, how from, it must've happened early on. Like, so how do you prevent yourself, uh, you know, almost starting from, you know, almost no base, no one knowing you as a basketball player and then going on to play professionally, you know, how did you continually rescue yourself from, you know, thinking that you're a failure and, and giving up? And that's a great question. Will. and I never, I never really had that thought. I never really oh. called, I never thought to myself that I was a failure. There are times yeah. when, I was failing, but I never looked at myself as a failure. And those are, of course, difference. you know, but uh, two different things, yeah. right? A failure is a, a, a way of being, is a, is a mindset. Failing is just something that happens. It's like the difference between being broke and being poor, right? Broke is just a temporary financial state, but poor is a way of thinking. Doesn't matter how much money you have. So I 
never put myself in a position of feeling like I was a failure because I always knew that I was going to create the success that I was aiming for. It was just a matter of how it was going to happen and when it was going to happen. But never think that comes from just the mental conditioning that I had been doing on myself even before I wasn't even before I was doing purpose. And that's because I've always been a big reader. And once I found out that there was a whole genre of what we now call personal development, I really dove into that deeply and really got into that stuff. And I've read several books 10, 20, 30 times because of the impact they've had on me. But read the physical book, go buy the audio book, listen to it again, and screenshots out of books, put them into an Evernote folder. So all of that is part of my mental conditioning. And because I've conditioned myself, and I still to this day have mental conditioning uh, activities that I do on a consistent basis, habits that I do every day, that's part of my it's just part of who I am. It becomes who you are as a person. It's not something that you do. And that's a big right. piece that, that you asked. I'm glad you asked me this question because it's something that I tell people who come and work with us in our programs is that the most important thing we need to do when it comes to mindset is make it who you are, not something that you do. It's not an activity. Right? Mindset is not an activity. It's a way of being. And when we get that way of being where you want it to be, you'll be able to deal with things because stuff is still going to happen. But you'll be able to deal with it a lot more easily than if you were just looking at mindset as a an activity or something that you do you know, fifteen yeah. minutes a day. So, yeah. Well, so what, what are what are some of those books? Uh, you know, thank you, John. Yeah, that, like that have really had an influence because I love the way you break it down. It's like you know, I I'm, I do a lot of the same thing with books I really love. It's like, you know, I read them several times, audio book it, even to double it down, take notes on it. So, what are some of those the big winners for you as far as uh, that help you? To, you know, it's it's I love that it came from books too. Uh, because like that's, I mean, there's a lot of great books out there. What are the ones that had those biggest effect on you? Man, biggest effects uh, for uh, 40 book of all time. Uh, oh, also by Robert. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, we lost shit on the first one. What did you say? We lost okay. shit on the first, first, first one. Book. 48 Laws of Power. Okay. Oh, great yeah. book. Love 48 Laws of Power. Yeah, Robert Green. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite book of all time. Uh, then you have uh, 33 Strategies of War, also by Robert. Uh, the 50th of all, also by Robert. So I'm a big Robert Green fan. He's my favorite author. Yes, him and 50. Yeah. I mean, Robert wrote most of the book, but uh, yeah, he yeah, took 50 yeah. cent stories. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, actually, yeah. The Law of Success by Napoleon Hill, because Think and Grow Rich was in The Law of Success. He just kind of took it out and made another product out of it. So I'll go with The Law of Success by Napoleon Hill. Uh, success Principles by Jack Canfield. Um, Unleash the Power Within by Tony Robbins is a great one. I think his best book, and there's so many. I've read probably, I'm probably close to a thousand books that nice. I've read, so yeah. I can't list them all. But yeah, I've always <laughs> been a, a big reader. Hopefully our audience wrote those down, and we'll make sure those are in the show notes too. Those are yeah, all fantastic yeah. reads. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and read some of those myself. But uh, the ones that I mm-hmm. recognized, uh, definitely swear by them. But um, mm-hmm. also your your routine that you said, the activities, right? The, they're not activities that are part of who you are. What, what right. do those look like? Uh, like I've got a basic daily routine that I try to do every morning and then another one in the evening. What does that look like mm-hmm. for you? So in the morning, I have a set of basically uh, auto suggestions, I guess what you call suggestions that you make to yourself. And those are really just about my for myself when I wrote them down, but I've said it to myself every day for probably at least maybe 10 years to the point that I don't have to look at them anymore. I know them. I can just recite them to myself every day. So I do that every day after I do my yoga 
I do yoga for about nice. five, 10 minutes every morning. Uh, yeah, I use the meditation calm. I use a calm app for meditation yeah. while I'm doing that. Yeah. I used to try to meditate by sitting still with my eyes closed. That didn't work. I would fall asleep. <laughs> so now I, I use the meditation app while I'm doing the yoga. So it's, I guess they call that moving meditation. So that's how I do that. And yeah, yeah that's my morning routine. It's a, with a liter of water. Then I'm usually eating a couple pieces of fruit and then I'm doing my workout. So I don't, eat a meal in the morning, but that's uh, what I do in the morning. So that's how I start the day. It's probably the first 30 to 60 minutes, and then I'm off to work out. So that's either – used to be basketball. Now it's either like today I was at the boxing gym or nice. I'll go outside and run, or I'll do um, – go outside and run, boxing gym. Actually, those are two things that I do. Yeah, so that, <laughs> that's every other day. Nice. Good for you, man. Now, yeah. um, challenges uh and you know a lot of our guests have had challenges i mean who's a human being who has not had some type of challenge what was uh or what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced in your life whether it's in sports and business and how did you overcome those well the biggest challenge in sports was in this fact that my whole fact that i only played one year of basketball in high school and then I played Division Three college. Anyone who knows the sports is college sports. So that's not usually where you get your pro athletes from. Right. So once people found that out about me, when I got online, because I was on YouTube making basketball videos and people could see, like, clearly this guy can play. And then when they found out my background, like, man, you only played Division Three. You look like you were better than that. You only play one year high school. You look like a better player than that because most players who have that kind of background usually kind of can't play, right? But I could actually right. play. So they're like, well, how'd that happen? And it was really because I just started late. I was a late bloomer in basketball. So once people found that out, that's when they started asking about what's the mentality behind this person. And that's where the mindset stuff came from that we already addressed. So the biggest challenge for me was the fact that I had to overcome that because regardless of it being late, uh, the coaches at, at the pro level don't care that you started late. They're like, can sure. you help us or not? Right? That's, that's what they care about. So I had to prove that. And then you know, having to go sell myself. I had to sell myself to get on the team in college as a walk-on. I had to sell myself to get into the pros. And those were big challenges in the sports world. As far as in the business world, during that period of transitioning from not playing ball anymore to being a full-time entrepreneur, I had to establish myself like, hey, this guy is – this guy does have something that is, yes, he used to play basketball, but he has something that can help people who don't care anything about basketball. So I had to establish that. So it took me some time to get people to see, like, yeah, you made YouTube videos, used to play basketball, but what does that have to do with us? Right? That's mm -hmm. what I'll get that kind of question, not in so many words, from a lot of people I was reaching out to, because the first thing I was trying to do was a whole lot of professional speaking. So my first maybe three or four years out of basketball, that's what I was really focused on was the professional speaking circuit. And they needed to know, all right, how does this apply to us? And you did all those videos online, but can you speak in front of a live audience? Uh, so they didn't know. I knew. No. And I had right. to prove that. So you have to you got to get out there and you got to perform. And then the same thing I used to tell the athletes. Uh, you can believe you're the best player on the team, but until you get on the court and actually do something in the game, then we have no proof. So I had to get proof myself. And the same thing I had to do in basketball, I had to do in business. Good for you, man. Good for you. What, what was some of the, uh, you know, if you can share some of your big tips about like effectively selling yourself? You know, I mean, it's like, it, it just really, for any entrepreneur, anybody that wants to start anything, you know, especially public speaking, really putting yourself yeah. out there could be very hard, you know, so what, what right. are some of the ways that you can, you know, make that happen and be effective with that? Oh, we got a whole conversation just on that alone, but uh, when it comes to... 
uh, effectively selling yourself. First of all, uh, let's just understand what sales is. is first of all, it's understanding what your offer is or your product, product or service. Then you have to uh, communicate the value of your product or service, and then you ask for the sale. So I call it the, actually I've created a framework around, it's called the ICE method, I-C-E. So I is identify someone who actually has a need or a void that you can fill with your offer. Then the C is communication, letting people know that you have something that can help them. And then the E is the exchange because you haven't done any business, so there's an exchange. They, somebody's giving somebody money and the other person's getting the product or service. So they, that's the ICE method. That I like that. Comes to, that's the, now, under each one of these headings, you got you got 10 or 20 more subheadings. Sorry. How do you right. identify? How do you communicate? All right. How do you close the sale? All right. You can write a whole, their whole book on that. Right. So a lot of stuff can go and I don't know what's the direction you no, no. I mean, let me. I'll just jump in and say, like, this is exactly what what Dre did to get to our show. We he had sent us an email like six months earlier, right? And you know, we we like we're, we're lucky to to get to, you know get quite a few guests, um, you know, request. And you know, we just dropped this one. It just didn't, uh, you know, just it didn't like materialize or whatever. And then sure enough, months later, he hit us up again, and we're like, oh shit! Like we forgot to get back to Dre, right? And um, we watched your video. I mean. Exactly what you said. You know, this is what I, this value I can add to your show. You know, this is how I can help you. Like, here's my, you know, establish yourself as an authority. Like, this is all the stuff I've done. And we're like, oh my God, like writing back an apology saying, hey, sorry, <laughs> not, you know, to, uh, to miss your email. But here you are, right? You know what I mean? Like, uh, helping our, you know, I mean, believing in what you're doing. And, uh, you know, and, and here we are having a the difference, conversation. Here's the difference, too. Like, we'll get a lot of emails that say, hey, I made this personalized video for you, but you can tell that it wasn't personalized. You can tell yeah. that they just yeah. recorded it and they sent it out to the masses. But right. Dre addressed us by name several times in his recording. And I'm like, oh, man, we screwed up. We've got to get a hold of this guy. <laughs> so I'm so glad that we finally got you here on the show, man. It's uh, great yeah. to have you here. Um, yeah, I'll let's uh, follow up. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Always, always. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who's your uh, your assistant? Is Mar Marielle? Uh, probably mispronounced. Marielle. Yes. Marielle. She's fantastic that's too. Right. So, Marielle. Yeah. Um, right, so you. let's uh, let's right. talk about the the long game, if you will. And you emphasize playing that long game for success. Uh, why is that mm -hmm. long game so important? And can you give an example of how this approach has paid off in your career? I mean, the, the, the one video that you that that was the long game for getting us getting on our show. And we appreciate your patience. But uh, how, how is that right. important? And can you give another example? Sure, I'll give you uh, plenty of examples. Uh, we can even start with that. So these days, when it comes to things like outreach and whether you're trying to get on somebody's uh, podcast or a live stream or a radio show or you want to get a speaking gig or you're selling anything these days. I'm sure. I'm sure you guys get DMs from random people trying to sell you stuff all the, all time. the time. Like we get them all the time. LinkedIn, yeah. Instagram, email. Everybody's doing it. And yeah. back in let's just 2024 now. So 10 years ago, you could do that, and it was novel and yeah. unique. It was new. Yeah. It's not new anymore because everybody's doing it. So you have to figure out what you can do that everybody else is not doing. So one thing that I always tell my audience is that the opportunity is in the opposites. 
opportunity is always in looking at what the masses of people are doing and doing the opposite of that. And that doesn't mean in every single thing, right? Most people don't jump in front of trains. It doesn't mean you should do it just because it's the opposite. <laughs> but you have to figure out right, where's the opportunity. Right, look at what everybody is doing. Ask yourself, if I did the opposite of this, 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 where's the opportunity? And somewhere in there, there's going to be an opportunity. But you just have to be thinking that way and looking for it. So, for example, like, like you said, people send you all emails and want to be on your show and you get the copy paste form emails from yeah. um, right. what, are, what are they called? The PR people. Yeah. And I know that people send those out. Right. So I'm asking myself. Uh, what could I do that is going to be the opposite of what they're doing, what everybody else is doing, but it would actually stand out. And the key thing is doing things that don't scale. That's something that I'm always looking for. What can I do that doesn't scale? Because I cannot scale personally sending a message to a thousand people. I can't do it. I can't send it. I can't make a thousand personal messages in one day, but I can make one message in one day. I can make five and it doesn't scale. And let's do that because, does it days is what everybody talk about, right? How do I my business? There's some X maybe you don't want to right? you need to keep one this better simple. It will help you get a better uh, response rate or better and but maybe not sk- and something that nobody else knows. We're losing you a little more bit, Dre, but, but I, I think the, the gist of what you're saying is oh, like uh, so, so many people are, are wanting to scale um, and right. and in actually going after stuff right. that does scale, that's that can potentially cause them harm. And in doing the, the tailored individualized outreach by name like you did, you're actually going to be more effective. You may mm-hmm. have fewer shots fired, if you will, but more more of those shots land on target uh we call that measure in the military we call it measures of effectiveness and measures of performance the mops and the mows and it sounds like Mm -hmm. your your measure of performance is not how many emails you send out but how many of those actually land or maybe that's the measure of effectiveness but regardless i love that you're going after stuff that doesn't scale that's totally counterintuitive to to what most uh entrepreneurs do i mean i'm i'm in that right now hey how can i scale how can i scale how can we as men talking about from the scale but maybe we need Mm -hmm. to take a step back and look at how do we do something that doesn't scale how can we affect one person uh you know in in a deep way so i love that uh way of looking at it Will, you got anything? The gods, right? Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, you know, I just want to tell a quick story about uh, talking about, like, uh, uh, you know, not necessarily a guest, but doing something that's a little bit different. And, and we, we got an email the other day saying uh, someone wanted to come on our show. She wrote a book about accessing dolphin consciousness and i was like that's a little a little far out there but anyway like i just like okay maybe that's not something that's going to resonate with our audience but uh it's just like what is the, what like dolphin consciousness um it, um yeah so like um john i, I think you have something um yeah uh, i mean i know a lot of what you're doing now dre yes you're you're speaking you're you're getting out there and and marketing your services and one of the services that you offer is coaching. Uh, why is it so important to work with a coach to affect greater success? 
Ask the question again. Why is yeah, it so, so important? Yeah. So what, why is it so important to, for someone to work with a coach to affect greater success? Well, one of the reasons that people get coaches is not because they are not good at what they do. I mean, you think about in the sports world, every professional athlete has a coach or a trainer or usually both. Mm -hmm. It's not because they're not good. They're actually the best. And the reason people have coaches is because the coach, first of all, can help hold you accountable to make sure that you don't slip. Right. They can catch you anytime there is some slippage and correct it. And when you know that you're being held accountable, well, you know that someone's watching what you're doing. We tend to do better work. We just tend to do better work when we have that uh, that social pressure, if you want to call it, of having a coach or a trainer around, regardless of how good you are. This is why the best performers out there all have coaches. Even the best uh, singers, Taylor Swift and Beyonce, have voice coaches. All right, the best actors have uh, acting coaches, whatever they're they called. And the best, even the best business people, they often have coaches because it's not, again, about your ability to be a practitioner practitioner, but also, hey, here's a new idea. Here's a new approach. Here's what we can do to, are we got an issue over here? How do we compensate for that over here? And usually when you have uh, two heads going into looking at a challenge, it's better than having one. So the different reasons why you would want to have a coach. And again, if you look around, they say success leaves clues in a high around them who are also who get to and stay at a high level. I like that. We, we've uh, we've recently got uh, an advisor for the show and uh, having David Valadez as our, our advisor and production manager has been an absolute game changer for mm -hmm. us as podcasters, but also as teachers and practitioners. Um, having a coach, I mean, coaches have coaches, right? Uh, yeah. So wh why would we not? Personal right. trainers have personal trainers. So it's uh, fantastic to, to get you there. Um, well, let me, yeah, let me just say about coaching. I think one thing like like you're, you're speaking to, Dre, is like the coach actually is able to, uh, you know, kind of observe, you know, you, right? And, you know, what's, what's working, what's not working, what you need to tinker with, what you need to get rid of. Because it's tough to have that conversation on your own. Like, cause you're so locked into your experience and, and it's like, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. tough to have that, that second set of eyes and that observer and to come back to something that, that I say quite often that comes from uh, think and grow rich is like when two minds come together, a third mind is formed, right? Masterminding, you know, and in that third mind is where new possibilities come up, new ideas, new creativity, um, you know, also even confidence to take another step. It, uh, uh, and that's what a coach can do. Because, you know, one thing that we run into quite often um, with with men and masculinity and helping to kind of change that narrative of masculinity is, you know, men uh, often, you know, number one, they refuse to think that they might need help or have a problem. And number, and number two is they don't really ask for help. But like by getting right. a coach um, and, you know, seeking help, like you can really start to, to change pretty, rap pretty rapidly um, by just having that, 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 second, that second human being, that second set of eyes, that, you know, that second mind, you know, to kind of help you to understand yourself uh, on a much deeper level. Um, and then, you know, we're kind of such a slave to our habits and a good coach is going to help you become aware of the habits that aren't working and create ones that do. Um, so yeah, it's, I love, uh, it's, it's so important to have a coach and it's nice. Like, you know, uh, John does some coaching, I do coaching, you do coaching and just to see people like change, 
right? Mm-hmm. Well, first, like to have that trust is so important, like to really have that, that trust and that kind of flow between you and your student uh, or you and your coach. Um, it, it just, uh, it, it just can, you can really make some significant, uh, changes, um, by, by working with a coach and then, but you got it, you know, like you said earlier, you got to keep showing up <laughs> consistency and, and you got to be willing to try and be vulnerable and just keep going. Um, right. yeah. Uh, so I, I, this is a fun question. So, you know, uh, what advice, you know, if you were to go back, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, you know, at the start of your basketball career, like what, what would that be? Or, or just, you know, to start life again, what would you say to your younger self at, at this point, uh, to where you are, got to today? Uh, most important is just getting engaged in personal development as quickly as possible. Cause I didn't learn about what it even was until I was in college, maybe 21 ish. So I would get engaged in that as quickly as possible as personal development. You can consume it through, uh, just reading books and right. nowadays on social media, you can get a healthy amount of personal development through a podcast or audio books or even YouTube, uh, depending on who you listen to. So getting involved in that, uh, as quickly as possible. Secondly, uh, get a, uh, get a financial education, education on just finance and how money works. Cause they don't teach it to you in school. Don't and you wish I they did? Oh my gosh. They, they should absolutely yeah. teach that in school. It's crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Sorry. when I first started to, when I first started to learn about that stuff, I asked myself, why aren't they teaching this in school? Cause I have a business degree. So you would think in business, at least they would teach it, but I didn't understand why they didn't. But nowadays I do understand why they don't teach it. And we can get into that if you want, but that, that would be the next thing is the getting a financial education. And then the third thing, if I had to give one more, it's really just getting around the right type of people. And yeah. if you're doing the right, if you're doing the stuff when it comes to the personal development and the financial education, you're going to start thinking in a certain way. It's going to change kind of who you are as a person and you're going to start attracting a certain type of person into your life. So certain type of people into your life, whether it be friends or romantic partners or business partners, whatever. So those would be the big, big three personal development, finance and relationships. Right on, man. I love that. Uh, sounds like you've answered that before. That was awesome. man. you had it down. <laughs> um, so. What about, um, you know, we've talked about your favorite books uh, and you have your own podcast. Uh, what, what are some key insights or maybe favorite moments that you've had from your podcast uh, that, that has um, that's deeply resonated with you or your audience? Yeah, well, my, my show is a little bit different than most because mine is just solo. So it's kind of yeah. like the radio. So it's just like me talking every day for 20, 30 minutes. Um, the best insight for me, it goes right back to what we talked about earlier, John, is what can I do that doesn't scale? What can I do that everybody else is not doing? Where's the opportunity here? So when I first launched my show it was in 2016, I said, all right, well, most people are interviewing people, so I'm not going to interview anyone. I'm going to just do it myself. And then it was most people's shows come out maybe twice a week, three times a week, once a week. I'll put mine out every day because yeah. that's what I've been doing on YouTube already. So my basketball stuff was every day. And anyway, I call myself Dre all day. So why not just come out every day? So <laughs> I just put my show out uh, every day. And the biggest insight for me is that's really where my best audience members come from. Like the audience members who become uh, members of my you know, paid stuff, yep. usually they are coming through uh, the podcasting platform because a lot of times these are people who are busy running their businesses or busy at work. So they don't, they are not scrolling through Instagram. They are not watching YouTube or no TikTok or anything like that. They don't have time for that. 
that they can right. listen to a show while they're driving or while they're uh, cooking dinner at home or while they're working out. So they can just listen audio wise and I can get my full thoughts out in full context and I have their complete attention or at least, I mean, it's divided because they can look at other things that yeah, they're listening yeah. to me for you no know, 30 minutes straight. So I can give full context as opposed to you know, a YouTube video where you, know, you might only get two minutes of attention before someone clicks on something else. So that's what I like most best about the, the audio space. And I found, I think studies have shown this or data has shown this, that people who listen to podcasts tend to be uh, higher earning individuals. They tend to be uh, more well-read, more intelligent. I don't know how they measure the intelligence, but <laughs> higher earning, uh, more well-read individuals. And again, you get more of their attention for a longer time when you put out a 30 minute audio episode than if you put out a 30 minute YouTube video, because if someone's watching YouTube, they can click on one of those videos on the side. Or if they're on Instagram, you know, they just scroll through. They might not even see your posts, but they scroll right past it. So with the audio, you have more attention for longer. So that's what I like most about the audio platform. And it's very low. It seems uh, kind of complicated before you start it. But once you understand how to do it, it's pretty low tech. Oh, yeah. As opposed to yeah, as opposed to the visual, visual can be very high tech because you got the editing process and yeah. how do I make yeah. this look right and the lighting and the B-roll and all that stuff. But with audio, as long as you can talk and people can <laughs> hear you, then you, yeah. know, you can get your point across. Right, right. Yeah, I, I love producing in GarageBand. It's so easy. You know, I mean, I like the yeah, video exactly. aspect, but it's like, oh, shit. Like, I, I got to worry about the background and my clothes. And, right. You know what I mean? Where I'm reading or not reading. You know what I mean? Like, it's just exactly. but the audio is so nice. But, like, you bring up a good point about, you know, um, you know, higher earners and maybe people that are more intelligent listen to the podcast. And it's almost like there's uh, – I mean, I think higher earners are, are – are, or, or in my experience, or it's not like I'm a super high earner at all, not this, not yet, but uh, it's getting there. Uh, is um, you know, there's certain a curiosity I feel that comes with the podcast, and like it, you know, what's nice about podcasting and where podcasting is taking us is like you know, there's a you know, you really it's kind of a huge learning opportunity and platform. And, you know, you can't just learn in like, you know, five, six minute little bites or something like that. Sometimes it takes a lot lot longer, you know, to really develop an idea. I mean, you have like 30 some books out there and it's just like to really dive in and and like what's really important, what you said too, is deliver value. And it's tough to deliver value in just a few minutes or or just a quick clip. You know, a lot of that is just kind of, they call it clickbait for a reason because they want you to, you know, even click on it. But, you know, if you're producing good content in short form you know it's ultimately to take you into a longer form you know to kind of satisfy that curiosity um and it's nice to see Mm -hmm. podcasting getting bigger you know i'm not just the number of podcasts out there but the number of people listening to podcasts i think it's it's a maybe it's a shift in our society we're kind of getting away from all like the little small snippets that only really satisfy you know maybe the ego uh in you know in that short term like little snackable content versus like Mm -hmm. kind of satisfying more of the mind and like when you're really satisfying the mind you're probably singing and speaking more to the heart which is really where we begin to, uh, you know, gain more insight, gain more inspiration, light up on the inside, um, and really, you know, can hopefully maybe discover more of who we are, you know, through that form. So it's interesting. Yeah, how it's I agree with that. A couple of things. When it comes to the yeah. short form content, mm-hmm. it's 
there are more people taking it in. It just depends on the demographics, right? Because when right. you're talking to you know, some teenagers, 16 year olds, they want the short stuff because they yeah. are just kind of breezing through. They haven't, they may not even know what they want to focus on yet. So they're kind of breezing through with someone who's maybe 46 years old. They know what they want and they also know what they don't want. So they can give more time to something. And when it comes to the, the podcast or the, just audio period, like audio books, tend to, I believe audio books are outselling digital books these days and physical books. And the reason is, is because you can do more than one thing when you're listening to audio, whereas to read a book or watch a YouTube video, you can only do one thing because your eyes have to be on it and you have to listen. But with audio, I can listen to it while I'm shaving or while I'm driving or while I'm working out. So you can do more than one thing at the same time. And these days, everybody's doing more than one thing at the same time. So we're kind of playing the game as it, as it is currently set up. So can, that's the great also, thing about audio. So as long as you have a good voice and you can get your yeah. point across, then again, audio is a great platform. Yeah. What you do, you do definitely have a great voice. Uh, for those listening, Dre also uh, looks great. He is definitely our best dressed guest ever. He's in a full suit, suit and tie. I mean, looking sharp. Uh, but I also wanted to read some of the comments that are coming off to the side. Oh, yeah. Amy Amy says you can multitask with an audio podcast, which is exactly what you just said, Dre. Yes, exactly. And then she also, she had a question for you. I'm going to add it here, see if it will pop up. Uh, well, it kind of covers up everything else. So, uh, but I'll read it to you. It says, uh, Dre, how would you approach a kid who's, say, 12 wanting to open a small business what would what would you say what would you encourage them to do how would you engage them in the process open it <laughs> i love it launch <laughs> launch <laughs> yeah no exactly open it get started As seth Godin says uh ship you gotta get you gotta get it out there so whatever the business is go and start the business i would need more context to know uh, what to do to give yeah. me advice but the advice is go do it but more context, I can give more of an answer. Right on. And then we've got another question here from Bob. He says, how do you redirect a negative thought about fear so that people can have more confidence? That's a great question. So the first thing we have to understand about fear is that fear is something that's created in the mind. Fear is not a real thing. Fear can't touch you. It can't catch you. It can't open your door. It's something that exists in our mind. So it's all about the conditioning, the way that we condition ourselves, because fear is is not that fear is useless. It's actually useful because our fear of, you know, getting hit by a car keeps us from running across the street on a red light, right? We wait, right? So fear is useful in some ways, but we have to learn uh, to control it and redirect and transmute that fear as necessary. So uh, Robert Greene talks about this in the 50th law, because that book is all about fear, right? And that's why he used uh, 50 cent. And that back in the days we had real fears like there was a, a saber-toothed tiger around the corner That's or right. you can't eat these berries because they might be poisonous and you'll die so we had fears because everyday life was really dangerous but in the world that we live in now in our um, contemporary world we're not facing fear every time not fear but facing danger real danger every time we leave right. our houses it's not that something random can't happen sure. but for the most part most of us are relatively safe but we still have that lizard brain as yes. uh as stephen pressfield talked about in the world right. of art we still have that lizard brain that still has that attachment to fear inside of us so if we don't control it 
and give it something to do, then that fear just goes and finds random things to be afraid of. So exactly. in the law of success, Napoleon Hill talked about the six basic human fears. And mm-hmm. back then, the number one thing on the list was the fear of poverty because he wrote that book during the height of the Great Depression. And mm-hmm. I believe the second fear, I don't know if it was number two on the list, but if I was to rearrange them now, the number one fear I would put at the top of that list today is the fear of criticism. That was one of his six, but it wasn't number one. I will put that number one now because what happens is when people are afraid these days, what they're often afraid of is not something that's going to really actually happen to them. They're afraid of the judgment of other people. Yep. And social media yeah. is a great reflection of this because you no know, people don't want to be attacked by the a mob on social media because you said the wrong thing or you posted the wrong thing, you had the wrong comment or wrong opinion or you're out publicly doing something. Let's say a football player, you, know, you miss a field goal and your team gets kicked out the playoffs. And now everybody's bashing you. So a lot of people just don't want to be criticized. So they end up holding themselves back. So the question there was, the question was, how do you redirect the fear? Was that the question? Yeah. Well, the, the thing about the fear is, and and he was asking also about how to be more confident, right? Right. Was that yep. also the part of the question? Okay. So the thing is, you have to understand the different uses of confidence and courage because they are both necessary, but they're not the same and they can work together. So confidence is based on your past. Confidence is based on, I know that I've shot a thousand free throws in the gym. So when I get in the game and I have two free throws to win the game, I'm confident I can make them because I made them in practice. That's Confidence is based on your belief and your ability to do something because you've done it in the past. Discipline leads to confidence. Courage, on the other hand, is what you need when you're doing something that you have not done before. So when you're stepping into something new, when you're stepping outside of your comfort zone, which is different for everybody, we all have different zones of comfort. When you're going to do something you have not done before, you can't look at that and say, well, I'm not confident about doing this. Of course, you're not confident because you never did it before. You have no track record of doing this thing. So, of course, you have no confidence. So sometimes when I'm talking to people about maybe joining a program of mine or doing something that they've never done before, they say, well, Dre, I'm not very confident about doing this. I say, of course, you're not. You never did it before. That's the whole point. Yeah. That's the reason why we're doing it. Right? You don't need confidence right now. What you need is courage because the mm-hmm. courage will allow you to step outside of the realm of what you're used to doing. And then once you do it, now your comfort zone expands a little bit because now this is part of it. This new thing that you just did, now this is part of what you're used to because you've done it. So now the next time you need to do it, it doesn't bother you as much. So in the 50th law, Robert Greene, uh, he used 50 Cent as an example, said 50, first time 50 faced somebody who had a gun – he was frightened. And the second time, a little bit less. And the third time, it didn't matter, right? Because he got used to it. it being around yeah. people who had a gun got became part of his comfort zone because he had experienced it. So the more experiences we get in life using courage, the more confidence we have because we have the past experience. So a lot of people yeah. look for confidence when they're doing something new and they don't find it. And then they say, well, I'm not going to do it because I'm not confident. Well, that's, you're mm-hmm. kind of going in a circle there. It's like an endless loop. Yeah. Like uh, back in the days in computer class in high school, you, you have an endless loop when you messed up the formula. Yeah. <laughs> it was just keep doing the same thing over and over again. That's what a lot of people do in life, but they don't even understand what they're doing to themselves. I love that. Yeah. Man. That yeah, is, me uh, too. It's a great way of looking at things. And uh, and Will and I discussed this one quote last week, and I know it's been attributed to various folks, uh, but our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, right. not our darkness, mm-hmm. that most frightens us. And yeah. uh, I think that's been attributed to Marianne Williamson and Nelson Mandela. No, it's um, Mandela, I think. Yeah, yeah so uh, anyway, I, I just love that you you – kind of made that distinction between confidence and courage. So many people are looking for that confidence, 
when they haven't done something before. That's that's I've never heard well, that before, and that's fantastic. I love that. That's a yeah, that is a yeah. old nugget well, right there. Well, they feed one another as well in some ways, right? So the more that you take the risk, I mean, that's the one one way I like to define courage is like taking the risk and just putting yourself out there, getting out of your comfort zone. The more confidence I continually have to take more risks. Yeah, right to develop more courage it's like well what you know what you know can't i do what what am i what am i what am i what am i capable of now you know once you kind of overcome that obstacle expand you know the zone of comfort a little bit more and it's just like oh 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 and then you just like i mean what I, what i have enjoyed you know just taking taking risks and risk after risk and just keep growing from those risks and and developing more confidence along the way of my ability to take risks is it just like you know you you develop a you know a greater sense of self your your, your self talk begins to change you know and begins to work for you and you begin to you know for me I, I, I seek those opportunities you know just be like all right mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen but let's just try it you know because I, I want to get so incredibly resilient and develop such a a, a strong mind. Um, and that it's just like, I can step into any, any, you know, any situation and try to figure it out. You know, it's, it's, it's really powerful, but it's like, you know, to come back to what you said also earlier with like, you know, the fear of criticism is going to, you know, constantly get in your way, but it's just like, but also who's criticizing you, you know, who are the people that, you know, that you're giving your power to, or also letting you validate your life, you know, uh, Mm. it's, uh, it's, it's interesting how, how it all works. And then, but I, well, let's come back. Um, well, I have, we have a question here, uh, Dre, um, it's from Jeremy. He, he says like, what do best coaches have is, is a question that he asks. Like, so like if we're going to get a coach, what would, what are the qualities of, of a great coach, great coach? Uh, that's a great question. There's actually something I've, I've talked about to my audience, what you're looking for in a coach. First of all, a coach needs to understand what your challenges are. Uh, you need to believe that your coach understands what your challenge is or what your challenges are. That's the number one thing that a good coach has to do. You need to know that your coach knows whatever it is that you're dealing with, they can help you with. Secondly, they have to be very strong communicators because what a coach's job is really to communicate to you is they're going to do it for you. They're going to help you understand that you can do it, whatever the it is, solving the problem, no running the marathon, no starting the business, whatever, making the money, whatever it happens to be. You need to believe that your coach can help communicate to you in ways that will help you do the thing that you need done. Third, your coach needs to be great at uh, simplification and helping you understand things that you may not understand right now. And I've, I've always not emphasized, this is something I've lately been talking about this to my audience about, is that when someone's a true expert at something, they can simplify it and clarify it in a way that they make it easy for anyone to understand. So there used to be a TV show, uh, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Remember yeah. that TV show? Yeah. All right. So when you're a true expert, you can make a fifth grader understand your thing, whatever it is. I can help a fifth grader who's never played sports understand basketball. Or I can make an adult who's never played sports understand basketball because I can explain it and break it down in a way that makes it very simple and very easy to understand. And that's what a true expert can do. They simplify and clarify. Whereas someone who maybe wants to be an expert, but they're really not, what they do is confuse and they they gum up the conversation. They make it harder to understand, whereas a true expert makes things easier to understand so they have to be a very good communicator and communication most of the time people talk about communication that's what they talk about is your ability to speak or write or put your thoughts out there but the other half of communication is your ability to listen because a 
clear communicator has to, first of all, understand the problem. Because if I don't understand your problem, then I can't solve it. So I had to be willing to listen very well to what you're saying. I got to listen to what you're not saying. Mm -hmm. I had to be very good at asking the right questions. Because if I ask the wrong question, then you could give me an answer and I can solve that. But I asked the wrong question. So we didn't even solve the problem because we're solving the thing that's not even your real issue. Your real issue is probably something that most people who are looking for a coach, let's say, they are looking for A, B, and C because A, B, and C is based on what? Your current level of thinking. Mm. And your current level of thinking is what got you to the point for, so we don't need to solve A, B, and C, probably. Most of the time when I'm working with people, they think they need A, B, and C solved, and maybe they do, and maybe do and C, but what we really need to solve is D, E, and F, mm. that they're not even aware of because all you needed was to solve A, B, and C. Well, let me, let me, EPT, or they can solve those. If all people needed was information, right? Then there'd be no coaching and consulting industry. There'd be no <laughs> need for it. What people actually need is okay. You, th- yes, this is a problem, but this is only a symptom. This is happening, and that's happening because at root is this over here that you never even you this existed, and that's going to solve all the. That's what uh, a good. So, for example, when I was playing, I had a, a trainer, and I came to her once, and I was like, well, my knee is bothering me. My knee keeps hurting, and I was playing basketball. You know, basketball players, your knee goes, you're in trouble. Yeah. So, my knee is bothering me, and she's, you know, having me do some movements, just looking at it, and she's like, well, Dre, the problem is not your knee. Your knee is hurting, but that's not the problem. Your knee's hurting because it's overcompensating because your quads are working harder. And the reason your quads are working harder is because your back is out of alignment. And the reason your back is out of alignment is because you're lifting too much weights up here. You're not doing enough down here. And when we fix that, then your knee will stop hurting. And I would never have figured that out on my own. That's what a good coach can do. That's awesome. Yeah. They deconstruct. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Get to the root of the problem, get to the, and really help you to address the problem that you don't even necessarily see. Now that that said, um, I I know you are coaching and a lot of that comes through what, what, uh, what you call work on your game university. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what it offers to participants, maybe to our listeners, maybe they could uh, come back and sign up. Sure. So work on your game university is just a uh, work on your game. We just slap the word university on it because it sounds cool. <laughs> the place where people can, can learn. And really what it is, it houses all of our coaching, consulting, our courses, our programs, all of that stuff. And we have a four part framework based around mindset, which we talked about a lot here. Strategy, which is the plan of action. What are we going to do? Who, what, when, where, why, how? Third is the system. How do we get the strategy to happen over and over and over again so it is duplicatable, consistent, and predictable so we can predict results? And the last part is the accountability. How do we make sure that all the people involved are doing their job? How do we make sure that the system itself is doing its job? Because sometimes your strategy, it was working two weeks ago, but it's not working anymore. Anybody who does any online advertising, you know that an ad may work for two weeks, but then it stops working. So now we got to change it up. So accountability is about making sure that the people and the processes are always doing their jobs consistently. And that's an ongoing thing. It's not a, a set it and forget it thing. That's an ongoing process. So those four pieces are the high level points of what we do inside the university. But of course, every person we work with, it's bespoke to their situation and what they need. 
And we work with people in so many different industries. Uh, most of the people who I work with are not former athletes who became speakers and authors. And so just to help you all understand, we get a lot of people from a lot of different places because people just they like my approach. They like the fact that I can break things down, the fact that I can simplify and clarify. Yeah. So that's what the university yeah. is. I like it. And, and, and yeah, and you communicate very well. And so I mean, you you you're like obviously deeply invested in all this all this stuff with you know writing so many books and so many talks and having a university. You know what are what are some of your favorite things about what you're doing? Like what what favorite are some things of about things? what I'm doing? Yeah, yeah. No, nobody ever ever really asked me that question. I've done a lot of interviews. Nobody's asked me that. There you I go. The first time, right? I, I just, yeah. <laughs> favorite it? thing about what I'm doing is uh, that I get to be myself, uh, 100%, and it, it. and turn yeah. it into a business opportunity. That's uh, number one. Uh, number two is that I do get to make a a real impact with people who have real issues and they really want solutions. And I, we know that the stuff that we're doing over here, it actually works. So that's number two is just having the knowing that you get to make a real impact and doing that. And the third thing that I would say, uh, best thing about what I'm doing is just being able to uh, fully express the thoughts that I've had. I have a, a thought or an idea. I can, okay, what can I do with this thought? Okay, this is a, a sentence long thought. Okay, I'll post this on Twitter. Okay, this is a 90-second level thought. I'll make it Instagram real. All right, this is a 30-minute level thought. I'll do a, an episode on my show about it. This is a, a book level thought. I'll write a whole book about it. Right. So <laughs> yeah. the good news about good thing about the internet is that you can take whatever size idea you have and you got different platforms to share it depending on what it is. And you can shrink it down and you can expand it depending on what it is. So I would say those are the top three off the top of my head. I love it, man. Nice. For uh, for our listeners, our viewers, uh, what's the best way for them to start uh, tracking and engaging in that content on on Instagram, on YouTube? How can they find you? Sure. So on YouTube, you just look up my name. I got probably twelve thousand videos on YouTube, so I'm Jeez. pretty easy to find. Just just type my name in, Dre Ball. Well, half of them are basketball. So if you're not a basketball <laughs> player, then about 40 percent of that will be a. Uh, mindset stuff and then on instagram it's just my name at dre baldwin i'm active i'm active on every social platform so we publish on every platform every day so whatever social media you like i'm on it just look my name up i'm very easy to find everything is public and then just uh work on your game university.com that's uh, where our focus is right now Awesome, man. Uh, And you are a content machine, man. Uh, I I follow you on Instagram. It is is impressive how much content you're putting out. And it's it's not just putting out content for putting out content's sake. It's quality content and quantity. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're doing a great job, man. So, uh, yeah, uh, 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 yeah, it's like, no, so like, so what, what is, what's, what's, um, Dre Baldwin, what does it look like in the next, like, you know, four or five years? Like what, what's, uh, you know, what's the plan or what can we hope to see from you? Like you're obviously very prolific at what you do. Like I'm I'm excited to hear maybe what's coming next. Next four or five years. Well, my son is 17 months, so he'll be close enough to almost being able to work. And we're going to put him to work. (laughs) (laughs) So so I'm going to give him a job. You can edit in your videos, right? You can be be your video editor or something. (laughs) If he learns how to edit, then he can have that job. That's a very time intensive job. If he wants it, he can have that. But uh, we'll probably start him out uh, packaging up book orders. So he can just put put the book in the envelope and take the little sticker, stick the book on, put the label on it. So that'll be his first job. And then when he gets tall enough, he can make the whiteboard reels. He can't do it. He's not tall enough yet. So he can do that next. Uh, But other than that, really just, um, just building up the university. I 
really didn't do a whole lot of professional speaking for like when COVID happened, I didn't do a lot of speaking. I stopped really focusing on speaking and really focused on the university, the coaching wing of it. But we're going to get back into the speaking business uh, heavy this year and adding more people to our university as, as coaching members and consulting. And we even work with people who have brick and mortar businesses. I was just talking to a guy actually today who's who's pending that he runs a brick and mortar business. And we're going to help him take that to the next level. So really just getting more people in the university, doing more speaking. I'll probably write some more books. And really, that's going to be our focus. We're just going to focus on this heavy and eventually add more get more people at least on the sales side who can you know, close sales for us as far as other coaches not ready to do that quite yet but that may be something that we do in the future but that's what nice. the next four or five years are looking like when do you sleep man holy cow <laughs> <laughs> writing books doing the university <laughs> holy cow oh man well hey yeah. Dre, man, it's it's been an absolute pleasure having you today, and uh, we very much appreciate all the the wisdom that you have shared with us, with our audience. Uh, man, we cannot thank you enough. Um, that said. For our audience, we also want to thank you, the, those who are tuning in now live. We appreciate the questions that you put uh, out there for, for Dre. We appreciate you tuning in later in the podcast while you're driving, like uh, like we talked about earlier. And uh, hey, if you got something out of this episode, please share it with your family, your colleagues, yeah. your friends, your uh, whoever you think could benefit from this. Uh, and then also go back, give us a review, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to our social media network. We are working hard to grow that so that we can grow our impact, not just so that, again, not so that we can be social media influencers, influencers, but so that we can grow the impact. And again, what Dre just put out today is hugely impactful. So uh, we want to share what he's putting out. So uh, yeah. again, Dre, thank you so much for being here. Will, I'll turn it over to you for any final words and, uh, and a closing practice, brother. Yeah, well, just we have a question from a, a guest or a listener. Um, what's your number one book right now of all these uh, books you have? What's the number one seller? Oh, my written books? Yeah, yeah your book. Your book, yeah, yep. Oh. Then I would send everybody to The Third Day. I'll give you a free copy of this book, actually, if you just go to thirddaybook.com. It's all about how to show up and give you your best effort when you least feel like it. And the subtitle of this book is The Decision That Separates the Pros from the Amateurs. So you can get a free copy of this. Just go to thirddaybook.com. This is my yeah. top book right now. Third. Yeah thirddaybook.com for you. Jeremy, Correct. thank you for that question and, and thank yeah, you for sharing yeah. that, Dre. Yes, thank you for the question. Um, yeah, you know, I've been, uh, so I journal in the morning, like it's part of my practice, uh, but then yeah. I have a right next to me, I have, uh, you, you know, Stephen Pressfield, I'm reading uh, Going or right. Turning Pro, you know, and uh, what a uh -huh. great book, Turning Pro. And it's, I'm sure it's like a lot of this wonderful things that you talk about in your book too. And it really helps me to just get really clear about like, you know, amateur does this, this is what a pro does. And there's, uh, right. you know, yeah, and it's a very clear, there's a very, you know, um, very clear moment where it's like, you just know that, oh, now I'm pro. So it takes a lot of work to get there. And a lot of the wisdom that Dre to our audience has talked about today is what's going to take you from that amateur. And, you know, uh, you really need to upgrade your mindset. You really need to put in the work. You really need to develop that confidence. You really need to continually exercise the courage in order to get out of your comfort zone so you can see really what you're made of, but also what's getting in the way to really access that inner potential, you know, to bring forth whatever that creative uh, act or whatever, you know, the effect that you want to change in the world. But it's, it is possible, but it takes 
takes like a coach we talked about it takes a lot of practice takes a lot of patience um and it takes you know really upgrading your mind your body honoring your body too i mean it's uh you know we talked briefly uh you know about getting in your body and and um you know and having a healthy body but i can't even and i'm sure dre too and and john you can't stress that enough like you have to have a healthy body you have to be sleeping in order to like even to show up like uh, you know uh, uh, the best you can maybe not every single day but at least have the chance Mm -hmm. to like really get in there and 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 put forth your best effort on that particular day because it's every day it's every day one step in front of the other um so dre thank you any closing words from you dre before before we uh start closing out I uh, just remind everybody that we all have a game, whether you're a, a podcaster, entrepreneur, uh, yoga instructor, athlete, speaker, student, or you're just trying to figure it out. We all have a game. You need to figure out what, first of all, understand what game you're in, figure out how you you can best play that game. Then you got to go out there and perform and produce results because we are in a results-based business and you will be judged by the outcomes you produce or don't produce. Yeah. There you go. Excellent. There it is. There it is. Uh, well, thank everybody for listening. I think we're just going to, we can just do a little closing practice, John. And yeah. Dre, you're more than welcome to st- stick around. It's not going to be too long. Um, John, you want to jump in and do this or, or I can, I can. Yeah, go for it, man. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. You know what? I mean, this is one way uh, that you can start to, you know, get out of your mind, you know, and, and kind of let go of those thoughts that keep you in a mindset that, uh, you know, keeps you stuck where you are. Uh, it's just getting to, to calm down your body. You know, we do breathing, uh, you know, we're doing it now towards the end of the show, but let's just do some breathing. And then we're going to do just one minute of stillness and just to get still. And, and why stillness uh, is because like, if you want to get better at doing things and, and doing everything, like Dre was saying earlier, you got to go the opposite uh, in this mm-hmm. case and just get still and just be and just sit and let things be as they are. Um, because like, you know, you know, all the things we want to do comes from a place of stillness as well. So we're going to use the breath. We're just going to take five breaths. We're going to calm everything down with these five breaths. Um, and this calms the body and the mind down. And then we'll just do, uh, I got to get my phone. We'll just do one minute of trying to be absolutely still as best you can. And, and that'll be all we'll do. So. Um, to get yourself ready, everybody, um, you know, sit up if you, if you can with like a longer dignified spine. So not like, you know, couch potato, couch potatoing and <laughs> rounding your shoulders, uh, but sit up nice and tall. We'll do these five breaths. We'll exhale the breath out to begin and try to get as empty as possible as you exhale. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. So let's take that first big deep inhale, nice and broad breath in. Keep going. Big breath. And exhale out the mouth nice and easy and slow. Maybe you can melt some tension in your face, jaw, shoulders, or other parts of your body. Again, in breath. Out. Again, in. Easy out. Last two in. Let it go. Last one on the end of the exhale. We're going to drop right into that one minute stillness. Here we go. Inhale. Exhale. And here we go. We're still just come back to a normal breath and we're on the clock. Just be here as things are. 
instead of waiting for this to be over, what if you just like feel your heartbeat or listen to the world around you? And instead of like, um, you know, bending to the will of the ego, what if you just find your breath instead? Keep finding that breath. And this is a great way with this one minute of stillness to really help focus the mind and the body and get to know what is stillness. Stay with it. I mean, it can be long huh, when we're working with stillness. Good work. Just keep coming back to your breath. It's another opportunity to really get to know your mind. Okay, we got staying for five, four, three, two. Good. Awesome, everybody. Big breath in. Great, great, great. We just want to thank everybody. Thank you, Dre, uh, for being such an incredible guest and, and for hitting us up a second time to be like, hey, uh, we want, I want to be in the show. Uh, so we really appreciate you being here. And uh, let us know we can help you anyway in the future. Um, we already gave all your information, but uh, that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Dre. Take care, everyone. Peace. Thanks, everybody. Peace.